This is the podcast for Woodland Presbyterian Church in Memphis, Tennessee. We are maturing God's people to serve a hurting world. We hope you enjoy the message, and if you'd like to learn more about our church, look us up at woodlandpres.org. Thanks so much. May the Lord bless you. You were free in regard to righteousness when you were a slave of sin. It seems confusing at first, but if we go back to the beginning, Paul is saying in verse 16 that you can either be a slave of sin or you can be a slave of obedience, which leads to righteousness. What he doesn't say plainly is that they seem to be mutually exclusive. You can either be a devoted servant of sin, and in that case, you are free from pursuing righteousness, or you can be a devoted servant of God, obediently pursuing righteousness. So it, it kind of gets lost in the word shuffle there of like, well, who, who are we following and why? But basically, if you think about in culture, popular culture, you've seen and experienced this, right? Some famous uh, uh, musicians or famous actors, they lead a, a life of sin where they are completely subservient to sin and they end up dying young for some, you know, could be, you know, whatever reason. You know, you, you know, you could probably name five people right now off the top of your head that have gone that way, right? Like we, we see this where people are subservient to sin and they go in the wrong direction. Uh, we see it, especially if you think of all the violence in our big cities, probably a lot of gang warfare, right? Because it's, there's not a culture of forgiveness, right? It's a culture of, of an eye for an eye. Like if somebody kills someone, then somebody else has to die. And uh, there's a, a blood debt, right? The blood debt must be paid. Um, and so there's this culture that's going on. And that's where you're serving sin. If you're serving sin, then you're free from righteousness, right? And that is not where we want to be, right? We don't want to be free from righteousness. Um, what we want to be, um, well, and continuing in, in the verse, uh, Paul really highlights this path that we don't want to be on. As we review our passage, we can see that um, verse 19 tells us that if we are pursuing sin, then we are pursuing impurity and lawlessness, which leads to more lawlessness. Verse 21 reminds us that uh, when we cultivate a life of sin, we bear the fruit of shame and death. Verse 23, of course, the capstone verse tells us that the payment of working in sin is death. If you are in a, so if you are in a content relationship with sin, that's not the direction that you want to be going. Um, it's, it's painfully obvious. That is the wrong way to be going. And so I wanted to kind of highlight that, that wrong direction. And sometimes we fall into that and uh, we need help to get out of it. So... My dad, he really likes to travel, and one of his favorite things to do is to go hiking around, around the world, really. Um, and uh, one of his hikes, he went to New Zealand, and there's a famous trail there that you can hike on, and he was hiking the trail into the backcountry, and he fell, and he broke his ankle. And so he was on a path, he was broken, and if he had continued in that same direction into the backcountry with a broken ankle, he probably would have died, right? 
And so he needed some intervention. He needed something to come and save him. And so the, um, the New Zealand Coast Guard actually sent a helicopter and they, they helicoptered him off the trail and, and took him to a safe place. Um, so, in, so this is similar to um, our position with sin, right? Sometimes we, we're all born in sin, right? So we go down that path naturally. Uh, sometimes we try to turn away from sin, but sin pulls us back, right? And so we need an intervention. We need something to come and help us get off that path. Um, some of us, you know, try the old, like, well, I'm going to try harder, you know, pull myself up by the bootstraps. I'm going to do better. Um, and, uh, and oftentimes that just doesn't work. Which brings us to our second point, free from sin, free from sin. So verse 18 says, we have been set free from sin and have become a super-focused servant of righteousness. Verse 23, verse 22 says, we have been set free from sin and have become a super-focused servant of God. And this is a good thing, opposite of what I've just been talking about. The whole first point is, is bad, going in the wrong direction. This is good. We want to be super-focused on righteousness. The path leads to righteousness, which leads to sanctification, which leads to everlasting life. So how do we get ourselves free from sin? So going back to the men aboard the Amistad ship, the men aboard the slave ship, Amistad, had to fight to free themselves from their captives. Do we need to fight to free ourselves from our bondage of serving sin? The answer Yes and no. Yes and no. There's, a, there's an element of that God has freed us from sin, and then we, and he sets us, our feet in the right direction, and then we need to engage in that direction. And I'm going to talk about that as we keep going here. So let me explain. As, as I said earlier, the scripture in verse 18 says that we have, we have been set free from sin. This is a passive verb which means that we don't set ourselves free. We have been set free by someone else. There's been an intervention. There's been a helicopter rescue. Somebody has come and rescued us. Just as as if we were in prison and someone comes along and unlocks the door and sets us free, we don't do anything to set ourselves free. Someone else does it. Verse 17 speaks directly to who this someone is. It's right in the, right there, right in front of us in verse 17. It says, But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have, been, have become obedient from the heart. You see, God himself, who is carrying out his plan of salvation by freeing people from the service of sin, similar to the helicopter that rescued my father, God rescues us from sin and then places us on a new path a path of righteousness that leads to life. We were broken and unable to pursue righteousness, and then God changed our hearts and set us on a new course. When my dad was rescued, they took him to a hospital, and they were able to fix his ankle, and then he was healed, and of course he was fine. As Christians, we are rescued from sin by God, but then what? But then what? Sometimes 
people might claim salvation and then they don't, they don't get connected into the body of Christ. They don't get connected into community. And so we need to remember that when we are free from, we are freed from sin, but we need that direction. We need the direction into the body of Christ, into the church. And verse 17 continues to talk about what that is. It's really subtle and hard to, hard to grasp when we just read it over the first time. But verse 17 speaks to what that is. It says, we have become obedient from the heart, a heart change, to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. This is a very hard to understand way of saying that you have been rescued from a life of sin and you have been freed from the power of the law and now you have been placed in a position of following the teaching of Jesus. So that word teaching there is, is, encompasses, that one word encompasses, think of three years of Jesus' ministry, doing discipleship with his disciples, his apostles, teaching them and training them. That teaching right there encompasses all of that. The standard of teaching has been handed down by Jesus himself to the disciples and now is being passed on to the new Christians in Rome. They were set free from sin to follow Jesus, the truly righteous one. They were set free from sin to become disciples and go and make disciples. And they didn't do anything to deserve it. Paul is saying over and over, you have been set free from sin, so don't go back to it. He is saying that you are not under the law, but you are under the authority of Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. You have been helicoptered to safety and placed in the presence of God. Don't turn again towards sin. Stay focused on your new master. So recently, I was at a wedding and I was really struck by the intense focus of the bride and groom. So the, there was a minister is in the middle. The bride and groom are, are intently focused on each other, just eyes locked, gazing at each other, in, intense focus. And they're doing their vows. The minister is reading the vows, but the, the bride and groom are just locked. And the, the bride... Um, and this, for us, this is a picture of our new position in Jesus. And what, what, uh, what God is saying for us to do is to, uh, we're rescued from sin, and then he turns us away from our gaze of sin, and he turns our gaze to Jesus. And we want to be in that position of the bride and the groom where they're just eye-locked, and they're doing the vows to each other. And that's what, that's what God is asking us to do is to turn our gaze and keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. We are focused on our Savior, and we are ready to hear from him and follow him. This is opposite of being focused on sin and being ready to serve sin at any moment. Keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus as the author and perfecter of our faith will be mutually exclusive to serving sin. We can only have one master. It's either God or it's sin. We can't do both. Well, some of you may say that you've lived a life that's too sinful. And you might say, well, I don't really have any hope of rescue at this point. Well, I say, no way. God's power to overcome sin is limitless. Um, just like we sang earlier, right? God's mercy is more. Our sins are 
are abundant, but God's mercy is more. So um, I just want to encourage you this morning that if you feel like you've gone the wrong direction, it's not too late to turn back. Christ has done the work for you. He has rescued you. He has conquered sin for you and placed you in the direction. Now it's that, it's that marriage eye lock. Keep your eyes focused on Jesus and keep moving in that direction. Again, some of you will say, well, I don't really deserve it. I don't deserve this mercy. And the proper response to that is, yeah, you don't. You don't deserve it. It's a gift. And that leads us to point three, free gift of God. Romans 6.23 is a, a, well, a often quoted passage, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And I just want to pause here for a second and just really focus on that free gift of God. What is, the, what is this gift, you might ask? It's the greatest gift of all time. It's the ultimate gift. It's the gift of Jesus Christ, his only begotten son, God's only begotten son. It's the gift that leads to life for all who believe. It's the gift that leads to life everlasting with Jesus. This final verse of chapter 6 sums it all up for us. This life and death puzzle that we live is solved by the author of life the author of love, the one who sets us free from sin. In John, Jesus is quoted saying, For I came from God, and I am here. I came not of my own accord, but he sent me, referring to God. Jesus was sent by God. He is the ultimate gift. Jesus also says John in John 8, If the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Again, a reminder that Jesus is the greatest gift, and he sets you free from sin and death. Jesus is the greatest gift of all, and he can't be earned or purchased. He has freed you from sin, and he has demonstrated true love. This reminds me of the, the uh, epic Beatles song, You Can't Buy Me Love. Don't care too much for money, for money can't buy me love. I'll give you all I've got to give if you say you love me too. I may not have a lot to give, but what I've got I'll give to you. I don't care too much for money, for money can't buy me love. God doesn't want your money. He wants your love, and he has given us all he's got to give, his son Jesus. We can't buy our salvation it's a gift. It's the ultimate gift. It's the gift that we all need. When I worked at, um, I worked at MAM on the staff of Memphis Athletic Ministries for a couple years, and I was on the training team, and we used this verse for evangelism, uh, Romans 6.23. So it kind of jumps out to me as, a, as an outstanding verse. Uh, and it's a simple way of sharing the, the um, sharing the gospel with people and giving them a clear choice. And this passage really gives us a clear choice. Do we want to serve and be devoted to sin or do we want to serve and be devoted to righteousness? And uh, thankfully, you know, the, there were kids at MAM that really took it seriously and there were some that 
that confessed faith in Jesus Christ, and then they got into discipleship groups, and they um, actively pursue their relationship with Christ. And I know for a fact that many of them are living successful lives now. And of course, there were some that I know that didn't choose to follow Jesus and didn't end up well. And I actually attended several funerals while I was uh, on staff at MAM uh, for those that you know didn't go the right direction. So this truly is a matter of life and death. And for us, I think practical application this morning is, you know, the so what, what now? Uh, remember the bride and groom staring at each other. Remember in the mornings when you're quick to uh, forget your devotion. Uh, remember that if you want to stay focused on Jesus, remember the bride and groom, stay focused on Jesus, and that'll keep us uh, heading in the right direction. Come to church, join a small group, come to Sunday school, surround yourself with the teaching that Jesus has laid out for us, and that will help keep us in the right direction. The work has been done. You've been set free from sin. Now our job is to follow him and to grow more and more like him. So back to the uh, Amistad, the crew from the Amistad. So the men that were abducted from Sierra Leone, they committed mutiny. They killed the, the captain and the cook, and then they were led astray and set up the coast, uh, and they ended up in, in a jail in Connecticut. And they were placed on trial for the mutiny. So the judge actually ruled in their favor because their captors had broken the international anti-slave trade laws. And so the court viewed the men as free men who had been taken captive and were being forced into slavery. The mutiny was actually their right to exercise the mutiny because they had the right to do whatever they needed to do to achieve their freedom from the slave traders. So the court ruled that they were free again, and, they, um, and those men, there were uh, 35 of them, were freed from the prison, and they were sent back to Sierra Leone. So, so brothers and sisters, if you are serving sin, then you need to know that a mutiny has occurred in your favor. You have been set free from sin by Jesus Christ, and he's inviting you home. He is the one that will send you in the right direction. So who will you serve today? Let's pray. Thank you for listening to this message from Woodland Presbyterian Church, maturing God's people to serve a hurting world. Again, if you'd like to learn more about our congregation, please visit us at woodlandpres.org. Thank you very much, and God bless you today.